Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Lynda.com. Learn what you want, when you want, with access to thousands of online video courses, including a wide range of photography topics and skills. For seven days of free, unlimited, in-depth courses, visit Lynda.com slash TWIP. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TWIP. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the fast and easy cloud accounting solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You can try FreshBooks right now for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section for a free trial. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by stickyalbums.com. Do you want to book more clients? Nothing boosts your word of mouth referrals like giving each of your clients their own custom photo app. You can create your first app in minutes at stickyalbums.com. This week on TWIP. It's a special topic-focused episode that's all about staying inspired and planning a creative shoot. It's Monday, October 27th, 2014, and this is Quinn. And welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss the world of photography and more, Mr. Craig Colvin and Mr. Matt Granger. Hey, guys, what is going on? Hey, nice to be here. It's good to have both of you here. Yeah, great. You know, uh, Matt, you haven't been on in, geez, like a year or something? It's been like forever since the last time I heard you're on an island with the yeah. world's worst connection, and then the show crashed, and then I wasn't on in the end. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have we have two lists. We have a list, and we have a blacklist. You know, it's it's slippery slope, man. <laughs> I'm glad to cross lists then. Yes, you're back. You're back on the list list. So welcome, welcome back. It's good to hear your voice again. Oh, thank you. Likewise. All right, and we have also have my buddy, Mr. Craig Colvin, down there in the Bay Area. What's going on, Craig? Well, um, uh, things are great. Uh, been been uh, working hard. Uh, I, I've printed, I think, printed and matted 43 images in the past week, getting ready for a bunch of exhibits I have in November uh, all over the U.S., and so I've been framing and shipping and uh, trying to get ready for those. You doing that yourself? You need to hire some minions. I, 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 I do. I do. I need lots of minions, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, but... Uh, I tried the the you know website for hiring minions and they were yeah all all already sold out. Yeah, sold out of minions. Yeah, they're hard to come by. No, you know, minions are easy to come by. Good minions are well, hard. There to you buy. go. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, this is going to be a good show, guys. So it's uh, you know, it's exciting, exciting, exciting. So Matt, I want to dive into a little bit of this this project that you have going on. It's called Public Bodies. I know it's a continuation of a project you've been you've been working on yeah. forever, right? So tell us a little bit about that before we dive into the show. Oh, cool. Thanks. Um, so actually, I haven't made this public, but it's actually a trilogy I'm working on. In um, the start of 2013, I released Private Bodies, which was art nudes of everyday people in their own homes and the second one we're taking it to the street so to speak so it's all shot in public and it's pretty much done now so no arrests no um <laughs> I was say, how does no that work <laughs> how uh, exactly man, does that work you know because i saw one of your thoughts was didn't didn't one of the shots I, I think i saw it on the on on the campaign there the kickstarter there was a naked woman in front of the louvre was that Oh, yeah. that, that, was that real or was it photoshopped? Of course, it's all real. It's, <laughs> How did you um, do that? that? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I get that it sounds really shocking and whatnot, but actually the way we do it, it's really not. The most we normally get, if anyone notice, is a whistle. The first time ever last week I got stopped by a security guard, but I've shot around the world for two years Great Wall of China, the Louvre in a Manhattan taxi cab whilst it's driving, 
uh, Great Wall of China, Shibuya, the world's busiest yeah. intersection, and it's just never a problem. We just do it well, really quickly. You did quickly. a nude shot on an intersection in Shibuya in Tokyo. Yeah, you know that famous, famous yeah, one from I've Lost in there, Translation? Yeah. Yeah. Two million people a day crossed that intersection. We shot in the middle of it. All right, wow. we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about this because I I want to know how you, <laughs> are you are you like on any no fly lists now or anything? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't. I hope not. But um, I have to plug plug plug. This is a big passion project of mine, and that's uh, it's actually on our agenda to talk about today, isn't it? So yeah. please check out the link there. I've been working my butt off on this, and I want to get it out there. Yeah. Wow, that's that's you know that's really interesting. Just the logistics of of pulling something like that off is ballsy, a, eh? and also I'm still curious as to how you do it without like ending up in handcuffs. So, <laughs> do you yeah. have any stories about these locations in the book, or is it just going to be images? Actually, uh, that's a nice little foreshadow to what my one of my pick of the weeks is going to be. There is going to be a way that I get into that. And actually, over at uh, my website, I do a, a section now called Behind the Photo, where I'll write up the story of how we took this shot. Because sometimes, I'm sure you guys know, the shot could be really technically difficult. So working out how, you know, explaining to people how you overcame those challenges is hard. But other times, it's basically a snapshot but it was all the logistics and organizing to get everything in place that you needed, and then any monkey could have pressed the button. So it's, you know, what's the story that for that picture to get that that final image? Yeah, any any old macaque could have pressed the button, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, let's let's jump into the show. Uh, real quick, uh, news from me. What is it? Uh, it is Monday, the 27th of October, as we record this. By the time that most of our listeners hear this, I will be in New York City at Photo Plus Expo, which is uh, kicking off on the 29th, I believe it is, 29th, 30th, um, at the Javits Convention Center in New York. I will be speaking in the Panasonic booth, so if you are happen or if you happen to be at the show, please come by and say hello and uh, you know and uh, spread the love a little bit. It should be pretty fun. We're gonna give away a new Lumix GM5, that little tiny. Micro Four Thirds camera. Yeah, I have one floating around here. Yeah, right here. We're giving away. This is the old one, the GM1, which I still love and treasure. But they're giving away a GM5, or we're giving away a GM5 in the booth. So uh, yeah, definitely stop by. Just head over to thisweekinphoto.com. In the events tab, you'll see a little sign-up form there for the Photo Plus Expo. All you got to do is sign up and get on the list, and we'll pull a name and give you a camera. It's that easy. Can't you can't beat that. All right, gents, before we jump into this week's show, I want to thank our first sponsor for this episode of TWIP, and that's our good friends over at lynda.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by lynda.com. Lynda.com helps you learn and keep up to date with your software. You can pick up brand new skills, explore new hobbies with their easy to follow video tutorials and more. Whether you want to learn how to use Photoshop, improve your photography skills, or manage your photos, lynda.com offers thousands of courses in a variety of topics. They give you everything you need to improve your skills. They offer a variety of instruction. You can learn software, creative business skills, photography techniques, web design, and more. They've got over 2,400 courses, and they keep adding more every single week. They work directly with software companies so that they can provide timely training, often on the same day that new versions are released, so you're always up to speed on the latest and greatest features. And they offer courses for all levels. They add new courses each and every day, and their courses are taught by industry experts. Their instructors are accomplished professionals at the top of their fields. Their videos are made in state-of-the-art studios. They're not homemade YouTube videos. These are courses are professional, they're convenient, and you can access them at any time from your computer, your tablet, your mo mobile device, or whatever you need. The cool thing is their courses are broken down into bite-sized pieces, so whether you have 15 minutes or 15 hours, you can learn at your own pace, and and on your own terms. And you get all of that for one monthly price of $25 for unlimited access to the entire course library. And on the TWIP side of things, with the latest changes to This Week in Photo, I found myself needing to get up to speed on Adobe Audition, their audio editing software. So 
My first stop was to YouTube so that I could kind of get a good overview of the software and the different cool features that are in there. So I did that. But then when I wanted a deeper understanding from a professional's perspective, I turned to lynda.com. It really was that simple. And now I'm pretty much up to speed on the new software. So I've worked out a deal with lynda.com to provide you with a special offer to access their entire library for free for seven days. Just visit lynda.com slash twip. You can try lynda.com for free for a full seven days. Once again, that's lynda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash twip. All right, so since we have both of you guys on the show, you guys are no strangers to shooting nudes and creatives and art and, and models and all this cool stuff. And I've done that too, but probably definitely not to the degree that you both have. So I get to play the uh, the, the questioner, as is always my role on This Week in Photos. <laughs> so I want to I focus this part of the show on just... You know, how do you plan a shoot like this? You know, Matt, you know, you, you're you at the far end of it. You know, Craig, I know you're in a studio and you're doing all these cool artsy things that you blow up and have gallery shows and all this. And Matt, you're like the A-team out there. <laughs> you know, just, you're a ninja out there doing these nudes and, and strange and exciting places. So, Craig, let's start with you. So when you, when you conceptualize one of your shoots, right, mm-hmm. um, say it's a studio shoot. Let's make it easy. It's a studio right. shoot. Um, and you know that you're going to do a fine art nude out of this. What are the first steps that you do? Is it finding the model? Is it sketching? Is it what is it? Um, it, it most often it's sketching. I, I keep a notebook uh, everywhere. I have one in my car, by my TV. Uh, I have a waterproof notepad in the shower. Uh, whenever inspiration strikes, I'll write down little notes and sketches of what I want to do. Uh, when I'm planning a, sh- a shoot, I'll go through that notebook and pick out what I want to do, and that will often tell me what type of model I need to get. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I come up with the concept first and, and kind of pre-visualize what the shoot is going to be uh, before I select the model. Um, once I've got the model, you know, uh, signed up and, you know, the day of the shoot, I typically come with anywhere from uh, 5 to 15 different concepts that we're going to shoot during that, that studio session. Uh, everything is already pretty much nailed down. Um, when, if we get through all of those, then I'll maybe you know try to wing it and, and, and play with some things, and occasionally good things come out of that. But almost all of the, the projects and, and photos that I really like have come from being thought of long before I ever got into the studio. Now, when you say concepts, Craig, are you saying just are, is a concept a pose, or is it like what is a concept? Uh, it can be concept can be a pose. It can be a certain lighting technique, um, uh, or, or or a certain look I want to get. Sometimes I, um, you know, I don't all just shoot nudes. I sometimes will dress them up in in uh, costumes or fashion and try to do some uh, conceptual shot. Mm-hmm. And so I have to plan all the props I'm going to have for that, uh, what, uh, you know, what, what wardrobe they're going to have, and bring all that together before the shoot. And I, those sort of shoots, I, you know, you need to do that before you get there so that you have all the pieces in place. Yeah, yeah. Now, Matt, Matt you know, turning the camera on you, per se. So when, when we look at, when, when people look at this, so there's... You know, especially here in the United States, there's a wide range of sensitivities when it comes to nude photography and hang-ups and stereotypes for, you know, around photographers that shoot nudes, all that stuff. You know, help us put some of that to rest, right? Because there's, on the one hand, you know, say on Model Mayhem, you've heard of Model Mayhem, right? So on Model Mayhem... You know, there's a concept of the GWC, and that's the the dude that just goes goes to Best Buy, buys a camera, and says he's a photographer so he can go get close to to and shoot naked pictures of women. He's not an artist. He's like you know a pervert essentially, and sure. unfortunately, this guy has sort of polluted the waters for legitimate artists and photographers that want to do cool stuff. So kind of put a put a frame around this whole thing. You know, how do you how do you you know, aside from you having an awesome body of work already, how do you position yourself or how do you explain that, no, really, I am I'm not a creep. I'm trying, I'm doing art here. You know, how do you do that? 
So, I mean, for, for mine, I guess, I think even if I didn't have a body of work or uh, that people knew my name, the fact that I've got a really clear concept and it's part of a series helps. So, uh, you know, the, for my books, I'm actually not, you know, picky at all on who I include. If it's a 70-year-old guy or a 20-year-old woman, it doesn't make a difference. If they're The main thing for me is that they love the concept. Mm-hmm. So the fact that... I'll end up getting a shoot with, you know, someone who looks like a Barbie doll, someone who looks like a troll doll, and, you know, just the whole cross-section of ages, genders, shapes, sizes. You know, there's really – it doesn't look like a, a cast of Baywatch, my photos. Yeah. So yeah. I think that kind of alleviates that. And the fact that it's less than half, but a good degree of the people I shoot are men probably also uh, gets rid of a lot of that it's just a pervy thing. But I have to say it's something that I've – I've never really had a discussion about, but I do think about a lot that, I don't know, I think you have to acknowledge that whilst I do think uh, well done nudes are art and that it's a wonderfully creative thing and expressive and for the people that I shoot with, they they get a lot out of it themselves for self-expression. Mm-hmm. You also can't, I don't think you should anyway, eliminate the fact that there is some sex appeal about it as well. We like to separate it out because oh, no, if we don't make it in this art sphere, then we're in the GWC sphere or the pervert sphere. But everybody's attracted to people, you know? So you can't really separate that out. I watched a great doco where some Russians were talking about that and saying that's just an American concept because sexuality is a difficult concept in that country. But, of course, nudity is sexual to a degree. You can make it as artistic and tasteful and graceful as you want, but still curves and the human form it's a beautiful thing and it's kind of biologically embedded in us to be attracted to it yeah it's a it's a biological imperative as as it were now now okay let's switch it over to what i was talking about before and that's planning you know and sort of yep. getting your getting your brain around one of these shoots now yours is a long term yours like craig craig is a is your project based right craig you have some long term projects going on as well right I do. You're not doing a Kickstarter campaign and no. doing a, like a right. year-long kind of pilgrimage. Right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's more yeah. when opportunity strikes, I'll add add something to the project. But yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. But Matt, you're doing this self-contained project that is is both long. long it's a long-term project and. You know, it's it's deep in a lot of ways. So how how do you first of all how did you conceptualize this particular project? What was the the driving force behind it? And then secondly, you know, pick pick any of these places like the Great Wall of China, you know, or or something. How do you, how logistically how do you set that up? Or is it just rogue? We go in there, you know, with black capes on. Everybody gets naked, take pictures, put them back on, and run. <laughs> you know, how does it work? So- <laughs> so first of all, the first book I did, I wasn't thinking of it as a trilogy. I just thought uh, that I want to be able to include people of everyday people rather than just really modelly looking people, mm-hmm. and that the home and people's own bedroom and house is somewhere comfortable to be nude, and that's considered private, so private bodies. Um, and the second one, it just kind of came organically. That I'm travelling so much to teach and do workshops and shoot why not be shooting there as well? And if you've shot in 500 apartments, they start to become the same. And there's these great places just outside their front door that would be good to shoot. And it actually came when I was publicizing my first book. I don't have a copy here, but on the cover, there's two women behind glass. So you can see that they're nude, but it's really blurred out. And I shared a selfie of me holding the book, smiling, hey, my books have arrived. And that got me kicked off Facebook. Mm. And at the same time, someone sent me a link of a video on Facebook of people being graphically murdered, like hundreds of people in a 10-minute clip. I'm like, so that is not considered offensive by the community standards, but blurred out nipples of two consenting adult people is. It's, I just found it completely bizarre. So we thought, let's make it public. So whilst I do actually have quite a strong and passionate uh, belief behind it, I never wanted any of the shoots to be uh, an act of protest themselves. I don't want people getting arrested whilst it may be good publicity. At the end of the day, I have my clothes on, they don't. So they're probably going to get in trouble, not me. So I don't want any issues. So we go in to do the shoots 
as discreetly as possible and actually try and have no one see us and then have the body of work, you step back and think, well, damn, how did you shoot at the wall? How did you shoot at the Louvre? And actually, is it offensive? Like, is, you know, it's not a an erotic book. It's not overly sexual. It's just someone with their clothes off. Is that really something that should be offensive? Yeah. But in terms of planning, every shoot was different. So let's let's pick a couple of extremes. So the Shibuya one, yeah. We um, for people who don't know, apparently it's literally the busiest crossing in the world. Two million people a day cross through this like four or five way intersection. It's just a deluge of black hair as all the Japanese people <laughs> storm into the middle. Yeah. And there was a model who I'd used for a couple of my workshops before who was really keen on the project. So that was actually one of the earlier shoots and probably one of the riskier ones, which maybe is why I took it on because I was early and didn't realize. Um, because there is actually a police station on one corner, there's cameras everywhere, there's people patrolling all the time. So we actually spent probably an hour and a half checking and rehearsing the shot. So she was wearing a big Matrix style jacket. Mm -hmm. Um and clothes underneath and we'd be on opposite sides of the crossing once we worked out the light and what I wanted in the background. Um, and then we would bolt out from the lights as soon as it changed. I would drop down to one knee, she would get in position, we'd pose it out and shoot it. We probably rehearsed it six times just to get it all right and then we'd see a security guard or something or something or there were kids around and we didn't want to do it when that was going yeah. on. That's what I was going to um, ask. You know, how do you how do you make sure that you're not traumatizing young kids out there? Well, you know, I'll come back to that one actually. But so for okay. this one, I also had a friend act as a spotter who would just signal if he had noticed anything. So, like I said, it, you know, it sounds crazy. There's probably 500 or a thousand people in the crossing at that moment, and I think two of them noticed, and only one kind of made slight sideways eye contact. Yeah, and yeah. Really they're very not. polite in Tokyo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in you know, in public. Yeah, in public. Yeah, in public. <laughs> in public. Um, but in terms of the offending kids, I I'm not a parent, but my initial thoughts in my head when I was planning this out conceptually was, okay, so there's nothing really off limits, but I don't want to do it around a school or this or that because of you know that's a really sensitive area. Yeah, and then yeah. some parents said to me kids don't care about nudity. They're nude all the time. It's only once you get to be of sexual maturity that you start to worry about that stuff. So you probably get in more trouble, but a five-year-old's not going to be traumatized by seeing some boobs. You know, yeah. they see them yeah. all the time. The, the thing, right. I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be worried, not so much about the, the child being traumatized. I'd be worried about their large parents coming after me with a, you know, a hammer or something. <laughs> so yeah. i got to say... And I really get it. Even experienced models who do that sometimes have some nerves. But after doing the first setup, you realize most people really don't care. Like, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but the project seems to prove it, that um, if one in a hundred people were so offended that they actually wanted to take some action and say something or call the police or whatever, whatever, we're gone in 30 seconds. Yeah. And... In the whole time we shot it, probably less than 100 people actually saw us shoot the hundreds of shots. Most of the time we got in, took the shot, and nobody noticed we were even there. Yeah. So okay. I mean, yeah. for the other ones, it, the, the amount of planning really varies. So when I, I was just in London at the end of last month, and we had an open sign-up through a group there for a group shot on the Millennium Bridge uh, with the cathedral in the background. Mm -hmm. And until the day, I still didn't know if we were going to have five people or 50 people turn up. So working out the shot at the time, it was just a matter of doing it right there and then really quickly as all of the 6 a.m. commuters started crossing the bridge. Yeah. Um, and then we were just solos who wanted to shoot. We'd just take a walk and find an interesting background and just do it. So it would be, okay, with your physique and this scene, this is going to work and this is a nice juxtaposition to what's going on in the background and we'd pose it all out closed. So I'd say, okay, Frederick, I want you standing, hands by your side for the first one, head up for three shots, head down for three shots, then move to that spot and kneel, for example, and do this and that and then close and we'll leave. So we'd practice it out twice fully closed yeah. and then check the coast is clear, take the shots, 
like literally normally 10, 20 seconds of nudity and then close on and walk away and generally no one noticed. Very cool. Well, Craig, Craig, so I'm going to throw it to you, Craig. So are you, okay. did you have any comments on that? Well, I just was going to say I really love that Millennial Bridge photo. I, I think that's oh, really you. a great, great image. And I was also just going to add that I've, I've done some uh, public nudes as well, uh, not quite to this level, but I've, a lot of times I just uh, – uh, it, it's more in nature. And people will come across, and often they just – they don't care. They just walk on by. Sometimes they'll hang out and watch, um, right? But it doesn't – no one's been offended. Right. Uh, never, never had a problem with that. So here, here's a question for both of you guys. So you know, and the folks that are listening to this, you know, I wanna, I wanna put a fine point on this. So what the differences? I had, a, you know, it's funny. I had a conversation with Rick Salmon and Karen Hutton earlier this week. We were kind of talking about this topic, and that's what's the difference between art and fine art? And in the context of this conversation, you know, what what's the difference between you know, work you'd see in, you know, Playboy, which is awesome and very well done and clean and perfect and technically executed correctly, you know, and say, you know, an art from one of the one of the masters back in the, in, you know, back in the day. How do you, which one is art and, and what makes something art and, or is it just, it's all moot and it's all subjective? Uh, well, I, I have lots of answers to that. <laughs> Good, because I have lots uh, of questions. <laughs> um, I don't know if any of them are right. I mean, yeah. you can argue that all of it is art, uh, mm. right? It's it's more about the intent when it was was done. Yeah. Um, I I do have something I like for defining fine art is uh, versus glamour photography or uh, erotic nude is if the model uh, has a connection to the camera. It is not, uh, if they don't have a connection to the camera, it's fine art. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not always true. Um, uh, you know, as we can see from Matt's work, he, sometimes they are have contact uh, connection with the camera, and that's it's still I would say fine art. Um, yeah. The other thing I've heard is if if someone's willing to hang it on their wall, that's what fine art is, right? As if they're willing to hang it on their wall, which means in their, li in their living room, not no, not a you know, not a Playboy centerfold, uh, right? In the in the locker room or whatever. Now, if they're willing to hang it in their living room, then it's fine art. Huh. Huh. Okay, Matt, do you agree with that? I have to be honest. I've never thought about what the term fine art means. I felt it always is just tacked on to art to make it seem top shelf, coffee table book, yeah. higher priced. And I mean, I'm there's all of this stuff. There's a whole history and um, theory about this stuff. I'm sure there is some art student out there who could tell us what is the difference but for me uh, I actually have a, a lecture I do on this about is photography art and I think a lot of photographers are just I guess none of us but a lot are uncomfortable with calling it art because it's reproducible it's technological uh, it's fun and you know anyone can start doing it quickly whereas sculpture you can't kind of carve a David, but if you get a buff guy, you can take a photo of him. Anyone can. It's how the results are going to turn out. So it's sure. kind of maybe less of a learning curve. But so I, I do think of my photography as art, and I think all photography can be, but if you're not comfortable with the word art, you at least have to think of it as creative because yeah. give the three of us cameras in the same subject in the same space and we'll come out with different shots. That's because it is a created work. Yeah, yeah, by definition. All right, let, let's let's switch it over to the practical a little bit before we before we go deeper into this. And and Craig, I'll let you start with this. So photographers listening are like, yeah, that's awesome. I've been wanting to do something like this. Thank you guys for doing this episode, but I don't know where to start. I don't know where to find the models. I don't know how to position myself. If I'm going to charge, I don't know what to charge. Once I shoot the thing, how where do I post them so that I don't get you know, like Matt, you got in trouble on Facebook. How, where, where can I do this? Let's talk about that a little bit. And Craig, let's start with you. So, right. advice on getting started and doing this type of photography. What would you say first steps are? Um, well, if if you've never done any of it before, uh, I recommend finding uh, a a local photographer or a group of photographers that are doing it and join them. A Meetup.com is in in the Bay Area is great for that. Yeah. There's uh, all of these. Uh, meetup groups where they will schedule a shoot with a model in a studio and everybody comes and shoots. 
And you uh, do that as well. You do some of those. I, I host meetups as well for that. As uh, Yes. Um, and it's a great way to get started without having to worry about hiring a model and finding a location and lighting and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it builds up your portfolio. Uh, it can get you comfortable with it and all that. If you're already there and comfortable, um, it, finding the model can be asking a friend. Uh, uh, model Mayhem is uh, great uh, for for that, uh, for finding models. And uh, Craigslist, even, I found models. Yeah. So yeah. then I forgot. The rest of the question was... Uh, yeah, it's just just, more, just tips for getting started. And on that, that first piece of it, you know, finding the model... Um, you know, let's say you found the model, and you know what? What are what's the best way to put this? So you like you mentioned shooting a friend, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I've seen this before. You shoot a friend, and then they see the shots. You're like, great, but hey, don't show anybody those. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, great. Now they're trapped on my hard drive. Great, all right, that right. Well, so, so I, you... I have done I have done friends where I'm saying I'm just going to show. You know, your face won't be in the photo. I, yeah. We don't have to, and I will not, you know, tell anybody that this is you. And and typically, after they've been out there, they see the shots and they go, "Well, this is beautiful." And then they they post it on their own site. Yeah. All right. Uh, I remember you had asked about where you where you post it, and yeah. that right. Yeah. Uh, Facebook. Yeah. I I don't post any photos on Facebook like this. I I will post a link maybe to my website. Uh, 500px is mm -hmm. a, a another good place where I post the, you know the best of my best photos. Yep, friends of uh, Twit. Yep, right. Uh, Google Google Plus has some communities that are uh, very opening uh, open to uh, new photography, and I will sometimes post there as well. Uh, but but typically your own your own website is is going to be the best or um, one of the you know Flickr 500px that sort of thing. So a photography website. Now you mentioned Flickr, you know, and I gotta go on record here. I had no, I I was searching for some image um, a couple of weeks ago on Flickr, and I guess I typed in the wrong search term, and man, <laughs> you know, it came back with some, let's say, gynecological type photography on there. You know, so how do you, you know, you want to obviously. Obviously, you want to separate yourself from that kind of stuff, right? So how do you... A lot of that is keywords, what keywords you use. Yeah. Um, they also have uh, three levels of um, restrictions yeah. you can have on, on Flickr, and those are typically the highest, uh, you know, most strict, uh, yeah. where the more arty photos are the, the middle one. So if you select that in your search, or, or when you post your photos, say that they're, you know, they're PG as opposed to... The R or X rated. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Matt, do you have any you want to add anything in there about, you know, just logistics around getting started in this and, and finding models to shoot and just the basics here? Sure. Well, I think the part of your question which we haven't covered yet was about also about charging or how do yeah. you do that yeah, kind of side of things. Um I I think we're gonna talk about model mayhem a bit later too, right? So mm -hmm. there's a concept I like to have for specifically for models, but any kind of business is some equitable exchange of value. So mm -hmm. if you're a really well-known photographer and they're just starting out, then you can probably charge. If it's the reverse, then you probably need to pay. And if there's some fair transfer of benefit, like the classic time for print collaboration, then maybe no money needs to change hands. But on both sides, there's those times where you shoot someone and then they don't want the shots shared. So yeah. There was kind of no point in shooting them. Might sound mean to say, but you didn't shoot them for your private collection. You shot them to build your portfolio. And if they can't go in there, so what Craig said is a a key. I'll um I'll make it really clear in the waiver and give them the option to opt out of having nipples, privates, face in the shots. Mm -hmm. And then because I just don't want to shoot it if I can't use it. Yeah. I've had shots before where. I shot someone and that we had a condition, no no privates in the shot, which generally wouldn't anyway, but just in case. Yeah. And then at the end was, oh, actually, I also meant no breasts or nipples. I'm like, well, the poses we did, you know, unless I crop it, yeah. <laughs> so then it's just straight across the face. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so just and often like for the book, if someone's a school teacher or whatnot, then they don't want their face in it. So I'll either do body no face or face no body 
Um, but in terms of where to share it, I I probably still push it more than I should. I still do share to the different social media things. I just blur them. Um, rather than putting the uncensored ones on Flickr or 500 Pix or whatever, that's probably a good place to put them if you're looking to build a following. But once you have a bit of an audience, your website's the best. You want the traffic on your site. Yeah. So for both of you guys, what's what you know? And I want to get into the, the the charging piece a little bit deeper here, but I want to get into the end game here, right? So what's the end game? And the, you know, it, back in the day, it was you know one day I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be awesome. I'm gonna be like Arnie Freytag, and I'm gonna be a Playboy photographer. I'm gonna be in these magazines and be well known, or I'll have a gallery showing, which you guys have had already. It, what's 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 the holy grail for this type of photography? Is it just to have it seen? Is it to build a body of work? Is it the gallery showing? What what's the end game? I think that that all depends on the photographer. Um, mm -hmm. ev right, everybody yeah. wants an audience for their work, right? That's yeah. you, it's it. If you're just shooting for a vacuum in your own private portfolio, uh, I don't think that's very fulfilling for any photographer. So you're always trying to find an audience, and however you can find that audience, uh, whatever is going to be comfortable to you, or, or you know, everyone's going to have a different end game, um, right? I I like gallery uh, showings and having uh, people buy it and hang it in their home. Uh, you know, I think a book is a great great vehicle as well. But even even that, if I did none of that, just having people appreciate it online uh, is still rewarding. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the journey is the destination, right? It's the right. It's the rainbow, not necessarily <laughs> the pot of gold. <laughs> so, Matt, what about you? What's what's the end game for you? Where do you where do you hope to be with this in say ten or fifteen years? Uh, oh, you just made the question even harder. Yes. I'll start with the <laughs> what I aim to get out of it. So. The, having the books for me is important because, say, whether it's the everyday people in their home or people in public places, they become part of something in the same way you would in an exhibition showing. So uh, I heard it from so many people at my last book launch that now I've got this that I can show my kids and grandkids, look how great I looked and look how wild and crazy and open and accepting of my body I was when I was however old. Yeah. <clears throat> so for yeah. me, that's something special. For the second one... I am actually genuinely really committed to the the concept that why do we censor the body when we don't when you know in the same way that we censor violence and drugs and all this antisocial stuff a nipple can be as considered as offensive as someone being shot in the head it's just yeah. mental for me yeah. but um there's there's moments as you said about the journey being the destination that are just so much more rewarding that don't really ever go public so like I had a a woman in her late 50s who said when she was 20, she wasn't comfortable with her body. When she was 30, she still wasn't and wished she'd done it at 20. When she was 40, she wished she'd done it at 30. And now she's 55 and she's like, I don't want to be 65 wishing I did it at 55 and yeah. loves the shots. And yeah. I shot another woman, spur of the moment, actually. They were a producer. They were. They were. Is that the right grammar? They were helping on a shoot. <laughs> um, and just spur of the moment asked if they could pose as well and then it turned out that they actually had a mastectomy like a week later and lost their breast and that's the only shot they have of their figure before that so you know it, there's for the subjects it can be easy to focus on what I get out of it but all the subjects come to this voluntary I don't pay any of the models in the book they're in it because they agree with the concept so at the end of it they have the body of work themselves and they're committed to the concept and, you know, maybe they're gym bunnies and they want to, you know, memorialize their body whilst it's looking young and great or maybe there's a deeper meaning for them, but they're getting something from it as well. Yeah. So let, let's take that a little bit deeper and then, Craig, I want to have you piggyback on this too. Right. So on, on the charging, so Matt, you said you're not charging the models for this. So this particular project is it? So the the project itself is the is the destination, the journey, right? So are you're not you're not trying to buy your your Lamborghini with this this particular project, right? Or are you? Are you gonna are you well, gonna charge for the books, or how does all that work? Yeah. So I mean, it's up on Kickstarter to help cover the print run and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think this is not spoiling anyone's illusion. Books don't make money, you know. Right. Uh, it costs thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars to run a print run of books. Um, the printing side of things may break even, but ebooks and that kind of thing and selling prints, you can make some money there. 
but if I were to think about what I charge per hour and how many thousand hours I've spent planning and executing this and how many countries I've visited, uh, I'm probably six figures in the hole. So it's never going to be a money maker. This is my way to stay creative and make a statement outside of the paid work I'm doing. Got it. Now, Craig, bounce it over to you. I know, so I want to change it a little bit because this is not a Kickstarter project that you're working on. This is just right. what you do. Um, and so just take us down the path of, of, of when you hire a model or you're working with a model on a personal project. Are you paying that model or is that model paying you? Well, how does um, it, well uh, as Matt said earlier, it's about uh, a, a trade of value. Um, mm -hmm. If if the model comes to me and they want to use these images for their own personal use for for some or or uh, they they would like uh, like promote promo shots to to hand out or whatever they will typically pay me. Uh, right. If I'm going to make money off of the images that we take, I will typically pay them. And okay. and sometimes it's just a, you know a labor of love. We uh, they they love the project and they're willing to do it for free. So it, it covers the gamut, and it is about uh, that that you know, that value. Who's who's going to get the value of it? So if I'm shooting it specifically to make money off of the image, I have no problem then paying them for that that right. Okay. Okay. This next direction I want to take this in is just you know, and the final direction is sourcing the models and where to get them and how much to pay them and all that. Before we do that, speaking of paying, I want to thank our second sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our friends at FreshBooks.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy cloud solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You know, as photographers, we capture moments, feelings, vistas, all that cool stuff, even perspectives. But what we don't think to capture sometimes is the income picture of our businesses. You know, income, your expenses, your billable time, all that stuff. And I think one of the reasons why we don't do that is because capturing all those things is boring. That's a simple fact. It's just boring doing that. We'd rather be out taking pictures. Now, thankfully, FreshBooks offers small business owners and freelancers a way to keep track of their time and money without breaking your workflow or lifestyle. You can invoice your clients. You can do it in mere minutes. Expenses can be automatically imported so you don't have to lift a finger. You can track billable time. Basically, they take the hassle out of running your photography business by joining millions of freelancers and entrepreneurs using FreshBooks to run their businesses. So really cool stuff. And this week in photo and basically anything I do personally business wise is run using FreshBooks. And I've been doing it for several years now and I can't tell you how much time it has saved me in terms of headache and following up with clients and billing and getting paid, all that stuff. You know, their tagline is it, it, it says, you know, let me read it here. It says it helps you save time invoicing and get paid faster. And that's exactly what it did for, did for me. I had a stack of things that I had to do, you know, people to reach out to, to, you know, bug about getting paid or all these different things. And once I imported everything into FreshBooks, it basically said, okay, Frederick, yeah, we got this. And they took it over and I get paid, you know, and it just works. I don't think I would be able to run my business as efficiently as I do without FreshBooks. So definitely check them out. And FreshBooks, our sponsor for this episode, is free to try for This Week in Photo listeners. All you got to do is go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free trial. So get out there, capture some beautiful moments and your business finances. Just go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. Okay, guys, let's talk about money. So, Craig, you first, right? So... If you're going to pay the model, let's say let's say you're going to pay a model, and it's not a strict, you know, exchange of services. I'm I'm paying you with prints or whatever. You're going to actually cut a check or send a PayPal or whatever. What's an amount that that photographers should look at spending for somebody, and 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 how do how do you gauge that? Is it based on experience? Is it based on what? What are the metrics? Um, it, it is it is often based on experience. Most most models that uh, are are doing fine art nude photography, you know, modeling for fine art nude photographers, uh, they have a a rate in mind that they tend to charge. 
Uh, and that can range anywhere um, $50 to $150 an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, they will often discount it if you do multiple hours or if you do a half day or a full day. Uh, and sometimes they will also, it, it's all negotiable. Uh, if they like the project, they'll often charge a lot less. So uh, it, it varies is basically, right, each model is going to have a different rate that they're willing to pay. I have a different rate I'm willing to pay depending upon their experience. The very well, give me experience. some numbers. Give me, give me numbers like low end and high end just to so, put a box around. Um, uh, the, the most I've ever paid a model uh, was $125 a mo an hour okay. uh, for a uh, three-hour shoot. Um, most of them are in the uh, $100 range. That, that seems to be kind of the, the industry standard here in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what they're getting for for full nude work. Um, if you're doing implied, it's, it's often less. It'll be $75 an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, I do have models, though, that once they've worked with me a while, they give me a discount. So um, most of the models I'm shooting now are in the $50, $50 or $75 an hour range. Okay, got it. That, that makes sense. And uh, Matt, do you have a similar experience when you're actually, when you're doing, you know, these non-altruistic type shots? You know, I, um, like Craig, and I guess like most established photographers, I'm pretty clear cut on where you know what situations are paid so if i'm hiring something for someone for a commercial job to teach a workshop with or you know something that's going to directly generate money then i pay them if it's a passion project it's tfp and if as he said if they want to use the shots and it's not for me then they're going to pay um, so in the same way that a photographer will have different rates for if you want to use my shots uh, online it's this if you want to use them in print it's this billboard is this it's fair enough that models have that too so the degrees of you know the kind of work that they're willing to do what their thresholds are what they're willing to show whether they're willing to have it used online or if it's only allowed to be used for a book or whatnot they'll have all different rates but I really I actually I've got a series up where I talk about finding and working with models on my website cool. but it's so difficult because uh, say when I I'm going to Laos next month, and there, two hundred dollars a month may be a good government salary, you know. So paying a hundred dollars an hour is not going to be expected. Um, paying a hundred US for a full day is a big payday there. Uh, whereas if you want to shoot, you know, Naomi Campbell, then you might be looking at half a million dollars for a day, you know. Yeah, at least. Um, yeah. it, it, and it's the same way that, you know, the, the wedding photographer down the road or Joe McNally are going to charge $50 or $50,000 as well. So yeah. you really need to think about models, I think, in the same way as photographers, that you've just got guys with cameras and you've got guys and girls with great figures. That's not a model. Someone with an average body who can pose the hell out of it, that's a great model. Mm -hmm. Someone who's just pretty and can't pose and is unreliable and is on their phone SMSing the whole time is just a pain in the butt. Yeah. So <laughs> for someone experienced who can really pose, I wouldn't have a limit on what I'd be willing to pay. But for someone just getting started who's just pretty and wants to be a model, it's unlikely that I would pay, to be honest, because... If it's somebody's job and that's how they're paying their mortgage, then it's fair enough they get paid. But, you know, I did a, a video with Digital Rev about a year ago and I hired a model for that one and I knew we were going to be pressed for time, so I wanted someone that I absolutely knew was 100% confident that we wouldn't have any issues of them getting nerves through the shoot and people just read into things online. So if something looks a bit awkward, then they're going to, oh, he's the guy with the camera and that was so creepy. So I needed someone who had shot like a thousand shoots, who knew yeah. their poses. And so I kind of remember what I paid her, but it would have been a couple of hundred bucks an hour, I'd say. And, but it was magic. You would walk down the street and you probably wouldn't even notice her. She's a girl next door, but posing out of this world, like cover of Vogue magazine style, you know, amazing posing. Love. So you're going to look at someone's portfolio and say, you're capable of doing that. Then if that is what I want for my project, then, you know, you'll have to see if you can find an overlap in what you're willing to pay and what they're willing to take. Love it. Love it. He, he brings up a good point. If if I'm doing a workshop where I you know I need the model to deliver uh, in front of a, a wide variety of different photographers, uh, I will. Uh, um, they they have to have a lot of experience, right? And have done this before. 
um, and I'm willing to pay for that. So it's not not a problem. Okay, so let before I leave this topic, um, you know, I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't go down the route of legalities and dangers for photographers in doing this. You know, particularly, you know, Craig, let's let's start with you. So you, you know, not saying everyone's bad, but you know, there are some there are some nefarious people out there. And, you know, the photographer in a lot of ways is putting himself at risk, as the model is, putting herself mm -hmm. at risk with a strange guy, strange location, you know. Um, and the photographer at the same time, you know, you could get that, get you know, wrongfully accused of doing something that you didn't do, right? So right. these kinds of things on both sides, for the photographer, how does the photographer protect himself and how does the model protect herself? Is it to have third parties there? You know, what, what's the M.O.? Well, if you want to be protected, I think you know both sides have uh, third parties there. So you know, I'm, I may have a makeup artist or a stylist or or an assistant who's assisting you know there at the shoot. And yeah. I, uh, some models, they ask if they can bring an escort, uh, someone who's just going to be there and hang out at the shoot. And I have no problem with that as long as they don't uh, interfere or or they're they're welcome to assist if they uh, if if I need a hand with the lights or whatever. But yeah. uh, some photographers say no escorts. I I don't have a problem with that. If that's going to make the model more comfortable, then I'm I'm fine with that. And that's just you know so they're comfortable and and feel feel safe. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So common sense. Matt, do you agree with that? Any other tips you want to add on that for the model uh, protecting no, herself or you protecting um, yourself? For definitely. I can see occasionally why people are a bit funny about bringing people bringing escorts, but it's only for the so many <clears throat> heads in the room or whatever, or somebody bringing their jealous partner, and it could bring an awkward situation. But if they're a professional and you're paying them properly, then they are unlikely to need to want that. Although having said that, you know they may have heard of Craig or I, so that puts their fears at rest. If it's a brand new photographer, you probably want to start out and build yourself up to that point. But, you know, we're three dudes here talking about this, but let's not forget some of the best boudoir photographers in the world are women, and I'm often shooting six-foot-five muscular men. I'm the one at risk, you know? It's not all 40-year-old balding men and 18-year-old starlets with stars in their eyes. The people watching too many dirty movies, that's not how a photo shoot goes down. <laughs> right, right, no. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I think this has been great, guys. I think we... we covered this pretty pretty well. There's still a ton of stuff to learn, um, and I want to hopefully get some resources from both of you. Matt, you mentioned your site, that there's people can go there to learn about how to work with and hire models. Where's, where's that at? Uh, this is a paid thing. Do you, do you mind me plugging it? Or? No, no, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Uh, so I've got two. I've got a, uh, an intimate portraiture workshop. So all the workshops I do face-to-face, -face, except for the street one, I also offer as a download one. So I've got a like a six-hour lighting workshop and then a, a, a nude portraiture workshop where we do take people on seven real photo shoots in different locations, different body types and whatnot um, to learn how to do nudes. And then I've just got a little micro download, which is like an audio book and some PDFs on image waivers and consent forms and stuff, which is getting started with models. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Craig, you, Craig, you have any resources on this stuff? I know you also have a posing guide or something out there that people can grab, right? Um, I do. On my, my website, uh, craigcolvinphotography.com, I have a lot of uh, uh, posts basically about uh, models uh, and how, I, how coming up with the concepts. I do a lot more on creativity. In fact, I just cool. did one uh, this uh, went, went, out, went live today about uh, where I find the inspiration for my shoes. Lovely. So, uh, yeah, so CraigColvinPhotography.com is going to be the best resource for that. Awesome. All right, guys, let's continue with the show. Uh, but before we do that, before we go into the listener Q&A and the picks of the week, I want to thank our final sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at StickyAlbums.com. When Sticky Albums founder Nate Greyhack was working as a professional photographer, he used to hand out paper business cards until one client finally told him that she really didn't like carrying paper around in her pockets. 
That was the inspiration for Nate founding Sticky Albums. It's a service that makes it super simple to create a custom mobile photo app for each of your clients. As a business owner, you'll love Sticky Albums because you can customize your galleries per client with your own logo and contact information. And as your clients share their app with all of their friends and family, it's like they're passing out digital business cards for you. And Nate and his team have just released a brand new version of Sticky Albums with some cool new features this year that has already won a PPA Hot One Award. And be sure to check out the Sticky Albums blog to learn how wedding photographer Sal Sincata created a simple Sticky Album for a popular wedding venue in his city that skyrocketed his word of mouth referrals. And for the TWIP audience, Nate has provided the discount code TWIP, T-W-I-P, that will knock $40 off your annual membership, including unlimited apps. All right, gents, it's time for some Q&A. This is where we answer a question that's been on the top of our listeners' minds, or one of them at least. This question this week is, um, I'm not sure who this is from, but it says, when planning a creative shoot, where is the best... Where's the best place to network with other creatives, such as models, makeup artists, and stylists? I've tried sites like Model Mayhem with mixed results. Hmm. Matt Granger, hmm, where should they go? Uh, well, you'll get mixed results anywhere. Uh, in the same way that you have guys who just bought a camera and want to shoot with no experience and it's not something they're really committed to, you'll have the same for models, same for stylists and whatnot. I think... Photographers often think oh, models can be such so flaky and not showing up, but I hear exactly the same from my models that photographers flake last minute or change things or want to push the boundaries or all kinds of BS as well. So yeah. it is about how you how committed you are to it. And if you're going to pay someone a decent salary, then they're most likely to turn up. If you're going to ask someone to come for six hours and pose in the cold and they may or may not get anything out of it, then, yeah, there's probably a chance they'll flake on you. Yeah. But um, actually, model mayhem can be like that, but just don't just go for, and you know maybe this is an issue people find, I don't know, but don't just go for who's got a pretty face or a cool name or who's collaborated with someone you want to work with. Actually take a look at their work. And I'll just judge it off the communication. I think I'm becoming a grumpy old man now, but when I contact someone, I'll say, if you're interested, send me these three things via email. Don't reply here. And if they can't do that, I don't bother. Yeah. So yeah. if they send one of the three or they do it via the website or whatever, or it's an obvious copy and paste, then I won't bother. And there's enough responses that I can see, okay, here's someone who actually read it and sounds enthusiastic, isn't as experienced, I, I'm confident they're actually going to deliver. But I pulled up a couple of other sites here. Depending on which country you're in, obviously, it's different. But um, in the UK, a lot of people are using Purple Port. I put up some posts there to get people in the UK, and it had a really good turnout. And in France, Book. .fr is where there's a lot of people networking and it's a lot easier. People have like their own little mini website in there and you can contact them directly through that. Love it. Love it. Excellent tips from both of you guys. Perfect. Perfect. Um, what about, what was that one site I remember? I mean, I know Model Mayhem, but there was another one called, was it One Model Place? You remember that? Yes, yeah. yeah. Is it's that still around? It's still around. It's not uh, doesn't seem to be as popular as Model Mayhem. Okay. So okay. I had a couple other non-online ways to find uh, models, makeup artists. Yeah, as well. go for it. Um, I've uh, I've gone to local beauty salons to find uh, hairstylists and makeup artists. Oh, like uh, Mac in the mall or something. Right. Just walk in and say, you know, I'm I need uh, hairstyle for a pinup shoot. Can you do that? And uh, give them my card and uh, do it that way. Uh, also cool. going to, uh, as I said, meetup.com, uh, mm -hmm. going to joining one of those and going to a shoot, they'll often have stylists and makeup artists there. And so you get to see the work they've done and you can then get their card and, and book them for your shoot. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. the exhibit, uh, I'm doing raw artists, which we've, um, talked about before, I believe on the show. So mm -hmm. I, I'm doing one in San Francisco coming up in a couple weeks and uh, they're all over the world. And there are makeup artists, hairstylists, uh, fashion designers that are there as artists presenting their work. So I have uh, made a lot of contacts at those those events. Very cool. 
So, awesome. Another thing we're thinking is uh, if you're going to start collaborating, don't just limit it to the model. So, so often I've met a great makeup artist because it's one that the model can recommend. Mm. Or, you know, yeah. actually the workshop I ran in London, I had five models coming in. One said, oh, I've got a friend who's a makeup artist. Do you want them to come? And then she ended up coming with two makeup artists and a stylist who took care of all the models. And, you know, then yeah. if you know someone's reliable, they probably work with reliable people too. Love it. Love it. Yeah, there are, there are worse jobs to have on the planet, I think, than uh, than what you guys are doing. So, <laughs> all right, listeners, I want to remind you: if you have a question that you'd like to have answered on the show, be visit be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com and just click on the submit a question link to send us a question, or you can also leave us a voice message directly through the website. All right, guys, it's time for the picks of the week. This is the segment where you guys get to recommend something to the listening and watching audience. Craig, I'm going to let you go first. What is your pick of the week? All right, so uh, I'm going to recommend a couple of magazines that I use to get inspiration for some of my shoots. Um, so these are magazines where they they do a good job of showing just showing images. It's not so much about the technical. It's about looking at other people's work. Yeah. Um, Lenswork magazine is excellent. It's not uh, not not often does it have people in it, but it's uh, even looking at landscape photos or or other photos there, I find very inspirational. Uh, the other one is uh, Craft and Vision uh, has a magazine called Photograph, mm -hmm. and the for the opening half of the magazine typically are other people's portfolios, and I've found some really inspiring images there as well. Uh, and then finally, I would I'm gonna I'm gonna do three picks this week. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm gonna recommend Matt uh, Matt Granger's book, Public Bodies. Ooh, uh, it's got uh, 13 more days I think left on Kickstarter as we're uh, currently recording. So mm -hmm. it's only got uh, by the time this goes out, you know, they'll probably have a week left. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah uh, it it looks like a great uh, a, a great and inspirational book. Oh, Excellent. You, yeah, definitely yeah, support sure. Matt Granger. Yeah, head out there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. So Matt, thanks a lot, Craig. That was that was great. Yeah. Although you you just you know for the the next five twips you can't do a pick of the week. I'm just telling you. Right? <laughs> I, I always, I always have more. I'm, I'm excited about all these things. I have way more than I. It's all good. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. All right. And next up, Mr. Matt Granger. What's your pick of the week? He had three, so I want three as well. <laughs> so I have to go, go for it. Make sure you check out Craig's website and see where all of his exhibitions are coming up. That wasn't a paid promotion, but you know, seeing he <laughs> Thank put you. one in Thank me. You. Thank you very much, Craig. Um, and because I am, you know, up to my neck in the book at the moment, two things that are, you know, saving graces for me. Well, the first one is anyway, if you're not already calibrating your monitors, do it. Even if you've got the whiz bang new 5K Apple monitor out there, whatever, uh, you know, a nice punchy. Yeah, well, Apple's great and punchy and saturated, but they're not famous for their accuracy in color. So I think it's, you know, I, I'm lucky I've got an ASO here that calibrates itself, and then I use spider stuff for my other monitors. But yeah, I really think it's better to have an uh, whatever monitor you can afford and calibrate it rather than the biggest, flashiest monitor and not calibrate it. It's just yeah. pointless. If you're ever going to show your work or print it, make sure you're seeing what's in the file. And second one, maybe this is old news to everyone else, but I just discovered it this week, and I think it's really cool. Enhanced eBooks. Have you guys seen these? You're probably already putting them out, are you, Frederick? No. What's so, an enhanced eBook? Maybe it's it's old tech, but I just I had a meeting this week, and they mentioned it, so I'm going to do it for public bodies. It's uh -huh. basically an EPUB or Mobi file, so that you can put on iDevices and with a reader on Android. And so, just like a normal book, you can flick the pages but then you can embed video and audio as well. So you could, if you're going to put a book out there, as I mentioned, printing is expensive, but eBooks aren't. So with this one, I'll be able to put in, say, 300 pages of photos and then put in a little play button on 20 of them where I can give them a two-minute description of how we took it. Or, cool. for example, I'm going to Hawaii at the end of the year. If we get some underwater nudes, I can actually hit a play button and then the behind-the-scenes footage of how we took it underwater can pop up and they can see that as part of the book on their their Kindle or their phone or whatever. So I think that's really cool technology. Excellent. 
all excellent picks of the week. We will link to everything you guys mentioned in the blog post, <laughs> including uh, your Kickstarter, so that people can be sure to head over there and support you. Because did I mention that I have a book out? Did I? Did I actually? I wasn't sure if I'd mentioned that. Thank you. No. <laughs> Maybe you should do it again. You should do it. <laughs> public bodies. Yeah, Just... Public bodies. Public bodies. <laughs> All right, guys, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to personally thank all of our sponsors for their support. This Week in Photo, the podcast, the website, all that stuff would not be possible without those folks having faith in us and helping us keep the show going all these years. But with that said, Craig Colvin, where can people go to uh, keep up with you online? Uh, my website, Craig Colvin Photography, is uh, probably the best place to do that. And uh, also for any uh, Bay Area folks that are, uh, my RAW show that I mentioned is going to be in San Francisco on November 6th. And if uh, they go to rawartist.org, raw Craig Colvin Photography, um, they can buy a ticket for it. And if they do, I'll give them an 8x10 print of any of the images I have there at the show. Ooh, that's, that's cool. Look yeah. at that. All right. I may have to go get a ticket to go to that. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me about the print. Look at that. <laughs> What about the TWIP host? Does it, is uh, it yeah, one yeah, by 14? Uh, well, maybe, maybe I'll mad it for you. Did you hear that? Matt, did you hear the cheapness in his voice? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. All right, guys. Always a pleasure having you both on. And listeners, if you want to uh, check us out on our website, you can find us at This Week in Photo. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. 